If you would, please, uh, would you open today's worship program to the inside? And on the right page, under the Apostles' Creed, under the heading of Message, is the title of a series we've been doing for the last five weeks. It is the healing journey of the commander of the army of Syria. But the man was a leper. And in that journey that he takes, he meets six people. Two slaves, two kings, a wife, a preacher, and a muddy river. In week one of the series, we, we met one of the slaves. It was a young, the Bible says she was a young girl, probably preteen or early teens. She served in the house of Naaman, the commander of the army of the Philistines. And she was taken, the Bible tells us, she was taken from her home in one of the many military raids that Syria would venture into, into Israel. But she must have had a heart of forgiveness and she must have had a good relationship with Naaman and his wife because in 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 3, it tells us that this young lady went to Naaman's wife and said, if only my master were with the prophet who was in Samaria, he would heal him of his leprosy. And then we also next met Naaman's wife. Now, given Naaman's position as the number two man in the kingdom of Syria, he was the commander of the army, I believe she was probably a very intelligent and prominent woman. And I also believe she was a very discerning woman because when that servant girl came to her and told her about the prophet in Israel who could heal her husband of his leprosy, she went and told her husband, and he in turn went, and that's where we met the first king. He told his boss, the king of Syria, a fellow by the name of Ben-Hadab. And the Bible tells us that Ben-Hadab thought very highly of Naaman. And when Naaman came to him and told him what the servant girl had said to him, without hesitation, the king said, Go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. Go. And last week, we met the second king. It was the king of Israel, a man whose life was being lived by fear and suspicion. Because when the letter came from Ben-Hadab, the king of Syria, the king of, the king of Israel's response was, Am I a god that I can give life and take it away? Why is this man asking me to heal somebody with leprosy? I can see that he's just trying to pick a fight with me. Suspicion. And so let's pick up the story in 2 Kings chapter 5. I believe it's page 332, isn't it? I'm going from memory there in the Pew Bible. 2 Kings chapter 5. And we're going to pick it up in um, verse 8. Well, in verse 7, it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he got from Ben-Hadab. He said, see, this man seeks a quarrel with me. Verse 8. And so it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, 
that he sent to the king saying, why have you torn your clothes? Please let Naaman come to me and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Then Naaman went with his horses and chariot and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. And Elisha sent a messenger to Naaman saying, go and wash in the Jordan seven times and your flesh shall be restored to you and you shall be clean. Now we meet the prophet or more accurately, the preacher, or more, we meet the preacher, or more accurately, the prophet. Now, Elisha did preach to the people, but he was a prophet. And he wasn't just a prophet. He was the man of the hour. He was the prophet of Israel. He was a prophet par excellence. About 11 or 12 years prior to this incident here, in 2 Kings chapter 5, Elisha was in one of his family's fields plowing with 12 yoke of oxen. And the prophet at that time was a fellow by the name of Elijah. And Elijah came walking by and walked past Elisha who was plowing the family fields. And all he did was lay his mantle on him and he kept walking. But from that day on, from that day on, for the next 11, 12 years, Elisha served and followed and learned from Elijah. And then when the time came at the end of that period, that the Lord told Elijah that he was going to leave, Elijah began his journey because the Lord told him where to go. And three times in that journey, he turned around to Elisha, who had waited on him and learned from him for 11, 12 years. He turned to him and said, go back. He tried to get him to go back. And each time Elisha told him, as the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. And so finally, the third time, Elisha, Elijah said to Elijah, what do you want from me? And Elisha said, I want a double portion of what God's given you. And Elijah looked at that young man, Elisha, and he said, I'll tell you what, if you see me when I go, you shall have it. And they had just crossed the Jordan River and the Bible says all of a sudden a whirlwind came out of heaven and it caught Elijah up and it took him away and Elisha just standing there watching. He didn't want to miss a thing. And it says from out of that whirlwind came Elijah's mantle and it fell on the ground. And Elisha walked over and he picked up the mantle and he walked over to the bank of the Jordan River and he took the mantle and he smote it down on the river and he said, where is the God of Elijah? And it said the river just split and he walked across on dry land. And standing up there on a hillside were 50 students who were watching at a distance from the local cemetery, I mean seminary. They didn't call it that in those days, it was called the School of the Prophets. And they saw that and they said, Surely the spirit of Elijah does rest on Elisha. And this was the man, Elisha, that Naaman 
went to. But see, Elisha didn't relate to Naaman the way Naaman felt he should. I mean, Naaman was a powerful man. Nations, entire nations, trembled at his presence. And so Naaman expected to be waited on and, and courted and, and receive every possible attention. What does Elisha do? The Bible tells us he sent the messenger out and told him what to do. He said, go wash in the river Jordan. When Elisha wasn't following protocol. I mean, and the Bible, Naaman felt that he deserved more than this elementary attention, this, this messenger's message and dismissal. Naaman thought, and so the Bible, well, let's read it in verse 2 Kings chapter 5. Let's read what happened. And Elisha in verse 10 sent a messenger to Naaman and said, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, sure, He will surely come out to me and stand and call on the name of the Lord his God and wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Are not the rivers of Damascus better than all the waters of Israel? Could I not wash in them and be clean? And so Naaman turned and went away in rage. And so Naaman turned and went away in rage. That's an interesting word. In the Hebrew, it's chema. Chema. And it comes from, it comes from the root word to be hot. And what it means is it, it means fierceness or hot anger. And it actually carries with it the connotation of poison being released. Something evil being released by the heat or by the fever. And this word only appears as chema one time in the old other time in the Old Testament. It's in Proverbs 6.34. It says, For a woman's jealous husband will be furious, chema, and he will show no mercy when he takes revenge. Naaman was mad. Let me just say this. Rage is an outward expression of her anger. And a person's rage is, is a dangerous expression of his emotional state. And it will infect and inflame everybody who comes close to the person who is in rage. And if you're here this morning and, and you, you are given to that, let me share with you. Go to the Lord and get rid of it. It does no good. As a matter of fact, if you think of it, anger and rage can really be foolish and kind of counterproductive. Let me, let me give you an example in this story right here. Now the Bible doesn't tell us how far Naaman had to go to get to Elisha. But the Bible does say that he loaded up silver and gold, about came to a little over two million dollars, and ten changes of clothes. And I don't think he loaded up that two million dollars and then ten changes of clothes in a crosstown bus and drove to Nashua just to see Elisha. I don't think that happened. 
And yet coming all this way to see this prophet in Israel because he didn't like the answer that was given him or he didn't like the method in which it was given. He was going to turn around and go all the way back to Syria, still a leper. Now, I don't know about you, but I can tell you this much. There have been times in my past when I've been angry. And you know what? I know this will come as a shock to you, but I've done some pretty foolish things. And I've come to realize that in my anger sometimes we can really do some pretty foolish things. And oftentimes, folks, we will miss out on the answer to our prayer because we don't like God's answer or we don't like his method of delivery. I'm reminded of the story. Remember I told you that Elisha's predecessor was Elijah? I'm sure you remember the story in 1 Kings, I think it's 19, where Elijah uh, had a contest with the prophets of Baal. He said, I'll tell you what, you build an altar and you call on your God. And he said, and then I'll build an altar and I'll call on my God and whoever answers by fire, that's whose God it is. And so the Bible tells us the story how the, the false prophets, they built their altar and, and, and uh, they built it up and they put the, the offering on there. And the Bible said they did their thing and they didn't have any answer. So they began to cut themselves. And, and, and uh, e Elijah said, well, maybe he's got on vacation. Maybe you better sing a little louder. And uh, at one point he said, uh, if you read the Bible, he said, maybe he's gone to the restroom. Maybe you ought to shout a little louder. And finally, when their God didn't answer, Elijah had them build an altar and he had them build a kind of a moat around it. And he said, I want you to, he put the sacrifice on top of the wood. And he said, I want you to pour water on that. Pour some more. And he kept pouring water on the sacrifice until the moat actually filled up. It was just water soaked. And all he did was say one prayer and the fire from God came down and it not only licked up the offering, it licked up the altar, the wood, the water and everything. It was gone. And he had all the prophets of Baal, Baal killed. And the queen at that time was a lady by the name of Jezebel. And when she heard that, she said, Elijah, I'm going to kill you. And so Elijah went and hid. And he was having a pity party. And he said, oh God, I'm all alone. Jezebel wants to kill me. And there's nobody but me who's serving you. I mean, look what the Lord had just done in his life. And the Lord said, I want you to go out and stand on the mountain. I'm going to talk to you. And he went out and the Bible said as he was standing there, the strong wind came. And he listened, but no voice of God. And after the strong wind, there was an earthquake. And he thought, oh, that's got to be God. And he listened, but no God, no voice of God. And following the earthquake, there came fire. And he thought, surely, I mean, you know, but no, no voice of God. 
And then there came a delicate whisper. And that was how God chose to talk to him. You know, sometimes if we're not careful in this day and age, we can, our prayers don't get answered. Not because God doesn't want to answer them, but because we don't like the answer or we don't like the method. Let's go on. Verse 13. So in verse 12, so Naaman turns and he goes away in rage. And Naaman's servant came to him. Here's the second servant we've met now. Came near and spoke to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do something great, would you have not done it? How much more then when he says, wash and be cleaned? Oh, that was pretty good. Now, I want to say this. The word father there in the Hebrew is not father like a relationship. It just means chief. It just means chief or principal person. It would be like you call it like, uh, like the way I address Sherry. I say, yes, boss. You know, it's, that's what it means, okay? El Patron. But Naaman must have been a wonderful master. And he must have had a very good relationship with his servants. Because I'll tell you why. In those days and age, a servant would, would never speak to his master like that at all. And especially if his master was angry and full of rage. I mean, that would be... I mean, head comes off, you're dead. And yet he does. And kudos to Naaman. Look at verse 14. How much more then when he says to you, wash and be clean. And so Naaman went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan, according to the saying of the man of God. And his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child. And he was clean. I'll tell you what. I'll tell you what I'm reminded of. The Lord says, many times he tells us, we don't need to do anything. All we've got to do is believe that he loves us and that he wants to meet our need. But we go, well, no, I, you know, I remember, how long ago were we in Ohio, Sherry? 35, 40 years? I was past, we were pastoring a church right outside of Wheeling, West Virginia. And I was reading Galatians. And the grace of God, the true grace of God got through to me. And I understood how much God loved me. And I, I, I couldn't handle it. It bothered me. And so, uh, well, okay, I'll pray more. But I could hear the Spirit of the Lord saying, that isn't what I asked you to do. Well, God, you love me and, and you're, okay, can I give more money? Maybe we can give more money. But that isn't what I asked you to do. Well, God, 
maybe I, I can spend more time reading or I need to go back and get my masters or what and, and God was saying Owen you don't understand I just want you to believe that I love you and that I want to help you and that I have the ability and see so many times we're like Naaman we read something in the Bible and it says we can receive it by faith just believe God and yet we're like Naaman and that servant's words, well, if he asked you to do something hard, wouldn't you do it? How much more should we when he just says, believe us? Let's bow our heads for a minute, can we? I'll ask you to just bow your head and maybe close your eyes. I want to ask you a question this morning. When you think of this story of Naaman and how God used six people to meet the need of a man who had a willing heart and he wasn't even a Jew but he had a willing heart and was willing to believe and God met his need how much more this morning will God go through just to meet the needs you have in your life. He's only asking of you three things this morning. Number one, that you believe that he loves you. He's asking that you believe that he really wants to meet your need. And he wants you to believe that he has the ability to meet that need. He has the answer. And it might be a fear that you've lived with all your life. It might be a hurt that has been, been brought upon you by someone you trusted or you loved. It might be legal issues that you're going through this morning. It could be a sickness or a disease. It might be an addiction. I don't know. But God's not asking you to go out in the cold and dip in a snowbank. What he's saying this morning is, will you believe that I love you? Will you believe that I want to meet your need? And will you believe that I've got the ability to do that? I'll tell you what, if you will, God will meet that need. Lord, this morning, as we've heard how you went through two servants and, and two kings of different countries and, and through a wife and, 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 and through a man of God and a, and a river to meet the need of a man who had an open heart, how much more this morning Will you meet the need of those here that will just simply say in their heart, God, I ask you to meet my need. 
You care. You love them. All you want them to do is, is to believe that you love them, to believe that you want to meet that need, and that you can do it. It may come instantaneously. It may take a week, two weeks. But if they'll just believe, that's all you ask. Father, you love this people. Your heart, you didn't bring us here to opine to, to preach to a closed people, to a hard-hearted people. You didn't do that. You love this people and you care. And Father, I thank you for those this morning who will open their heart. Say, God, I receive. I receive your answer. I thank you that that need is met. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you say amen?